Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Brad Crone, who we enjoy talking political strategy. Brad uh, is uh, one of these uh, uh, pragmatic uh, political strategists. I think he worked basically with Democratic candidates for the most part, but uh, but by the same token, you're a keen observer of the whole political scene, and I think that's why our conversations are so interesting to me. We have just finished a census, and uh, we don't have the final results yet, but almost everybody assumes that North Carolina, one, is moving around and the population is shifting, and also North Carolina's had significant growth, which is probably going to lead to a, an additional congressional district. And, of course, all the districts will have to be uh, reassigned, not only on the federal level because of that, uh, congressional districts, but also uh, the, the state districts. So what's your view of how that's going to k- shake out, uh, Brad? Well, uh, on Friday, Don, the census put out notice that they are looking at July before they distribute the uh, population block data to uh, state county, and local governments. So there's still a lot of work. The Biden administration signaled right after they took office that they are willing uh, to look at uh, recalculations of numbers, in particular looking at um, green green card holders and perhaps illegal aliens that the Trump administration had gone to the Supreme Court to not have any type of census calculations. So they're reformulating uh, that process. That's going to delay the final count. That fact alone will mean that the legislature will probably come back in August, late August, and work in September and October on redistricting um, the new legislative maps for the state Senate and the state House. It will also impact Wake County and all the other 99 counties across the state on how they look at their districting, whether it's at large with districts or one man, one vote at large districts, in particular in rural counties across the state. And that will raise a question for our county governments on representation of minorities for those counties that are strictly at large. And from a policy perspective, what I'm saying is that many counties across the state will really have to look at at how uh, African-American, Latino, and Asian people of black and brown skin are represented at the county level. And that will be an intriguing process um, and, and public policy discussions uh, voter engagement and interactions, even down to the local level. At the municipal level, uh, cities like Greensboro and Winston-Salem, Charlotte, and Raleigh may actually, because of the delay in the release of the data, have to postpone uh, realignment of their city districts. So it will be a huge issue during the first and second quarter. And then once we get the data of how the data is utilized manipulated and drawn. One thing I will say about the Republicans that I have respected since they took office in 2010 is the Republicans made a promise to the citizens of North Carolina that they would respect a county line, they would respect a municipal line, 
they would respect a precinct line. So the amount of uh, splits in precincts and cities and in counties has been very limited to what we saw in redistricting from the Democrats in the 1990s and the 2000s. And the Republicans were even able to get pre-clearance on the first rounds of maps that put them in a supermajority in 2012 through the Obama Justice Department. So uh, this next process that we go through with the legislative map drawing, I think will be a little more judicious because I, I do think uh, Speaker Moore and the President Pro Tem Berger learned a lesson during the, the nine years of litigation that they went through and went through the state Supreme Court um, of, of working on a better process of drawing the maps. And do I think the Republicans will work to draw a supermajority? Yes, I do. If the Democrats had control, the Democrats would clearly work to make sure that they had a margin of uh, victory that would ensure a majority. It goes back to the fact that North Carolina clearly needs an independent redistricting commission to help. You're never going to remove all the politics out of it, but to remove a good portion of the politics out of it. And that means, Don, that rather than having just 25 competitive legislative races for the state house and state senate, there are 170 seats, and every single one of the seats in the General Assembly should be competitive so that the voters are able to pick their politicians, not the politicians allowing them to pick who their voters are. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but if you're running for Congress, you can run in any district no matter where you live. In other Correct. words, I can run in the first district, but I can live in Raleigh. Correct. Uh, but on the state level, you have to live within the district that uh, you're serving. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, same thing for the county district and municipal district. It seems like to me that if they got rid of that rule, they might eliminate some of the strange bed, uh, bedfellows that come up when incumbents are trying to uh, redistrict to save uh, their district and their, their residents. Yeah, now that could be something that they need to look at. I, I would tend to agree with you on that. Uh, I think a lot of the concern is to make sure um, that there is minority representation uh, in uh, our county governments and our city governments and within our, our, our legislative government. Because, well, one thing is almost certain is North Carolina will pick up at least one more congressional district. Uh, there's not much hope to pick up two, is there? I don't think so, but we will be real close to picking up two. It will be another probably eight or nine years. Um, you're seeing states like Wisconsin and Michigan saying that they are worried about losing. Um, the, the state of Georgia will probably pick up one, if not two, congressional seats as well. So you're seeing the great migration from uh, – the Rust Belt, in particular, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, coming into uh, the Mid-Atlantic region and in, into the South. Uh, and I think that's a trend that you're going to continue to see a, 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 an effect from COVID-19 is the fact that folks in New York City are moving down to Raleigh and Charlotte because they want to get rid of the, they, they want to leave the density. 
They want to be able to have a half acre lot or a quarter acre lot and a 2,500 square foot house and uh, not be literally living up next to their neighbor. So the real estate market in the state of North Carolina and basically all our urban areas and even in our suburban or exurban areas are, is just going to be tremendous, I think, for the next several years. One of the things that is coming out of the COVID-19 situation with Zooming, and by the way, our broadcast today is coming from a Zoom. Brad's in his office, I'm in mine, and, and Jason is back in the studios. We've learned a lot of new tricks, and a lot of people are finding out that they can live somewhere rather than where their business is. And I understand that, for example, in Moorhead City and the Crystal Coast, uh, there's a huge population gain during the last year uh, is that going to change North Carolina politics greatly when people move around and, and start uh, working in one place and living in another? I think it is, Don. I think it's going to create a lot of, uh, a lot of issues as a result of that. And a lot of it's going to be population increase, demand on services for our smaller cities, such as Wilmington, such as Moorhead City, such as Jacksonville. Elizabeth City, they're seeing a huge growth. I went down the week after Christmas to Duck, North Carolina for a week, and the the usually it is pretty dead at the Outer Banks at that period of time, and it was almost like uh, early May or mid-May type population with traffic and the number of people who were down there, and they're living at their houses, working and uh, enjoying, you know, life at, at uh duck on the sound and on the Atlantic Ocean. So I, I think we're going to see that trend continue. I do think that we're coming out. There is light at the end of the tunnel. We're seeing Johnson & Johnson announce uh, late in the week that their efficacy data on their vaccine is right at 72, 73% on the initial trial. They've still got some additional data to do. I think we'll see a third vaccine from Novavax probably by the end of February, J&J &J coming along probably the end of March. And we're going to have, the president has, is working on increasing the amount of vaccines coming into the state. So the level of anxiety and anticipation that we've seen since the announcement of the vaccine will decrease a little bit as the, the real big issue we're seeing with COVID right now is just the supply of the vaccine. Well, that, that's true. And of course, even uh, within areas, it seems to be rather strange how one county has an abundance and another county doesn't. And people are moving from, say, Wake County to Granville County to get their vaccine. And uh, it doesn't seem to be bothering the people in Granville County one bit. Right. And uh, I, totally. The one thing I heard late in the week, too, being speculated was taking the dosage that the state receives, I think it's almost 100,000, 150,000 doses of vaccine, and using those doses to get our public teachers inoculated and put a pause on the 65 plus and say to the population 65 plus, hey, we're going to wait a week. Let us get our teachers inoculated so we can get our schools open back up. Well, that uh, certainly uh, at this point in time, everybody is lining up and trying to uh, point out their uh, importance to the overall uh, uh, economy and the overall uh, public service uh, 
that they, they, they provide. And I think every one of them has a very good point. Our guest is Brad Crone. We'll be back with one final segment of Carolina Newsmakers, and we will do that right after these messages. To some people, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much. But that's not necessarily true. By six months, they're combining vowels and consonants. By nine months, they're trying out different kinds of sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on some meaning. Especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Early screening and intervention can make a lifetime of difference and unlock a world of possibilities. Take the first step at AutismSpeaks.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Watch out! You got me! The galaxy is safe once again. In the pretend universe, kids play with pretend guns. In the real world, it's up to us to make sure they don't get their hands on a real gun. If you have a gun in the house, keep it locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back with Brad Cron on Carolina Newsmakers, and uh, I'd like to point out that next week we'll have a new format on our program, and we will have actually more content. We're reformatting uh, the program, and we will actually have about uh, four minutes of additional content in the hour, and uh, I think that will make it uh, a little bit more interesting and uh, a few fewer commercials, and uh, that's where the time's coming from. And we're looking forward to that change. That will begin next week on both the hour and the half hour version of the program. And as I said, a number of stations carry a half hour version. If you'd like to hear the segments that you miss, uh, uh, and there are two of them, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear those two segments. If you happen to be listening to a station that carries the 30 minute version of Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is the president of Campaign Connections and a political strategist, a frequent guest on our program, Brad Crone, and we've talked about all sorts of things. Um, we are uh, now beginning the <laughs> political process, and we're going to have one really hot race here in North Carolina, uh, and people are beginning to line up already for it, and that's the United States Senate seat currently uh, held by Senator Burr, who is not seeking re-election. Um, and uh, that seat could very well determine who controls the, the Senate uh, two years from now. So what's your view and opinion on what's happening in that, uh, Brad? Don, we're going to see another barn burner campaign for the United States Senate here in North Carolina, just like you witnessed in the 2020 election cycle, where you could see millions, multiple millions another $100, $150 million type campaign because the gateway to the majority in the United States Senate will travel through North Carolina. And you're seeing the Republicans line up for it. You're seeing Democrats line up for it. Right now on the Republican side, I would say your leading candidates are former Governor Pat McCrory, Laura Trump, who has campaigned. She's a native of North Carolina from Wilmington. She campaigned 
heavily in here for our father-in-law, Donald Trump. She's married to Eric Trump, and she has a built-in organization from the president's uh, apparatus, campaign apparatus, that would be formidable immediately. Dan Forrest, the former lieutenant governor's name's being bannered around. He has not made any type of comment whether he's running or not. Former Congressman uh, Mark Walker, a uh, uh, Baptist minister from Greensboro, uh, served two terms, three terms in the United States House, is actively campaigning now. He's in his car. He's out going and meeting. Uh, I heard when the deputy down in Nash County died uh, a week after Thanksgiving from an automobile accident, he, he was engaged in uh, chasing a suspect. Uh, the congressman went down and met with the deputies and with the sheriff in, in Nash County. So Mark Walker is on the campaign trail. He has uh, a, a team of campaign advisors. I hear uh, the Republican operative Charles Helwig uh, from Wake County has been working with them on some grassroots. There's no better uh, Republican consultant at the grassroots level than Charles Helwig in the state of North Carolina. Um, so they are building their teams. It was interesting on Twitter Thursday night, Don, uh, Darren Jackson, the former minority leader in the state house, posted on his Twitter feed that he had received a polling call testing the candidates uh, and that it looked like um, they were testing uh, the Democrat Jeff Jackson against all four of the Republicans, Walker, Dan Forrest, McCrory. Uh, then there's also discussion that former uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice Sherry Beasley, who lost her election effort by less than 500 votes to Chief Justice Newby, that uh, she is a, a leading candidate. Jeff Jackson went ahead and announced earlier this week on Wednesday that he was running. So Je Jeff Jackson's uh, biggest hurdle that he's got to overcome is not being called Cal 2. Uh, he's a, has a military background, has done active duty, I believe, in both uh, Iraq and in Afghanistan. He's a former prosecutor and uh, assistant district attorney in Gaston County and has served in the state Senate now. This will be his third term, I believe, or fourth term coming up in the state Senate from Charlotte. Very attractive, 38 years old, great person, great man. Question's going to be for Jeff Jackson. Will the Democratic Party embrace another white male military attorney uh, versus looking at more diversity, whether it's Erica Smith, former state senator from Northampton County, or is it Sherry Beasley, the former Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice? If I was a betting man right now, if Chief Justice Beasley gets into the race, uh, she will become immediately the front runner for uh, the Democratic Party. The other caveat in the Senate race is, uh, does the mayor of Charlotte by laws uh, run for the United States Senate or does she look at running for governor in 2024 uh, as the Democratic nominee? And that would be an interesting fight too for the Democrats between uh, Josh Stein, the attorney general and the mayor of Charlotte. So it was going to be a dynamic race. There are going to be a lot of issues on economic recovery, on COVID response, on health care, and on immigration, that these candidates are going to be able to have to articulate, discuss, 
and uh, get the input and the feelings of the people of North Carolina on how we move forward looking at the 2022 election. We've got the impeachment coming up. We alluded to that earlier in the first segment of Carolina Newsmakers. I have a theory that one of the reasons that President Trump has been so quiet during leaving office is the fact that he realizes that he's going to have uh, access to the American public in a way that he could not have otherwise through the impeachment. He, he may actually be looking forward to it. What would you say to that comment? Uh, you know, I think the president's probably been pretty busy trying to write the ship of business for his own Trump organization. I think that the, the president leaves office fully disgraced. I think the best option for us is to pursue a censure rather than go through the process of a complete trial. The Democrats, though, want to proceed with the trial, even though they know they don't have the votes to convict. But they really do want to lay out the case of uh, why they should proceed with impeachment and why Donald J. Trump will go down in our nation's history as our worst president ever. And, of course, there are some Republicans who are quietly saying well, that's that's kind of okay with us. Absolutely. You're seeing a wink and a nod from Mitch McConnell. And uh, as I said earlier, I don't think the Republicans really want to pursue it simply because they're worried about the Trump base and how the Trump base interacts within the Republican Party. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens. Uh, things are uh, moving along, and I guess uh, – the next time you're on the, uh, the program, we will have an answer to all that, as well as uh, some additional insight as to who the candidates might be for the United States Senate seat, as that election process is already underway, which is amazing. Brad, thank you so much for sharing thank time you. with us. Uh, uh, any, uh, you've got 15 seconds for a closing thought. Well, the next show that we do, Don, I want to talk about the most important race in the 2022 election cycle, and that's going to be the North Carolina Supreme Court race. That's going to be the contest everybody will be paying attention to. Well, we will do that, and I'll put that on my list of things to ask you next time you're on. Uh, our program, of course, has been produced by Jason Kong. As I said, we'll have a new format next week, uh, additional time. And uh, if you would like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that, uh, carolinanewsmakers.com. Jason Kong has produced our program, and he'll have another guest for us again next week on the same group of stations. So until next week, same time, same station, I hope you have a very, very good week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Carolina Newsmakers.